is Jazz Shapers with Elliot Moss on Jazz FM. Listen in colour. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Your job, you better feed that brown eyed man. Flying across the desert in a TWA, I saw. That was Brown Eyed Handsome Man from Nina Simone. Good morning, this is Jazz Shapers. I'm Elliot Moss. Thank you very much for joining me. Jazz Shapers is the place where you can hear the very best of the people shaping the world of jazz, blues and soul. And right alongside them we bring someone who's shaping the world of business and we call them a business shaper. I'm really pleased to say my business shaper today is none other than John Wright. And if you don't know his name you will know what he does and you'll know his name by the end of the programme because John is one of the co-founders of Innocent Smoothies and much more now and also one of the co-founders of Jam Jar investments they make natty investments in very interesting companies that will do very well i'm sure lots coming up from john today in addition to hearing from him you'll be hearing from our program partners at mishkondorea some words of advice for your business and then we got the music and it's fabulous today tony bennett is in there bill withers is too and so is this one from roberto fonseca That was Roberto Fonseca, the Cuban pianist. I'm sure you knew that. And the the track was called Family. John Wright is my business shaper, as I build earlier here on Jazz Shapers. And John is one of the co-founders of the Innocent Family. We'll talk about friendship in a moment. And also one of the co-founders of Jam Jar Investments. And Jam Jar Investments, as I said, is a vehicle where they've put it together so that they can invest in young companies. John, thank you very much for joining me. Not at all. Pleasure to be here. Now, um, the Innocent brand for people of a certain age, well, people, most people now across the UK, actually, and probably more broadly, is one of those brands that's redefined the way that business was going to be done uh, and to me what I recollect is just the language of selling stuff became human and became normal and I, I connected with this drink at the time in a way that I probably never had before when you kicked this business off the first business was that the intention I mean what what were you thinking as you set up that market stall and started selling smoothies well we probably weren't thinking too much we were three friends who thought this was a great idea but didn't have any experience in the industry and so we were just doing things the way we would do them ourselves, the way we would do things for each other, the way we would do things as friends and so in terms of when it came to what was written on the packaging, I remember sitting with Richard in front of the computer and we put the logo on the front and put all the legal stuff down one side and there was a big bit of space on the other side and we kind of looked at each other and said well what are we going to put here? And it's like, well, I don't know. What about, you know, hello, thanks for buying this. And, and kind of, and off we went. When you met, um, and you guys met at university um, over 20, I think it was over 20 years ago now. Mm, we're, probably. We're getting old. We're getting really old. Um, so, so you met Richard, you met Adam, and many people won't know the story, but the three of you connected as friends. Um, you both, you all went off and did your own thing after university. You went to Bain, the management consultant. Richard went into the world of kind of advertising, digital, the beginning of digital advertising. Adam, I don't know about but you'll tell me 
at what point did the three of you connect and say we want to do something? I mean, obviously people know some of the, the folklore around the stall and stuff, but there obviously were there were conversations before that happened. How did it all start? Well, we we met in the bar the first night of our first term at university, so we kind of uh, clicked from day one and and kind of connected with you know kind of our views on life. And throughout university, we were doing stuff together. We were putting on putting on nights where I'd produce the the kind of the posters, and Adam would DJ it, and Richard be out with the with the kind of the tickets and the things. So you know, we we knew we worked together all through university, but then uh, went off into different careers. Um, Adam went to uh, McKinsey and then into uh, the Virgin Group. But we were living together and spending a lot of time together um, and had a conversation that was just going round and round, which was, well, look, we know we worked well together at university. We're all doing well in our careers. But if there was any time just to take a massive risk, this would be it. And if so, you know, what would we do? And the what would we do? How did it get insert? I know what we'll set up a smoothie company. I mean, that's a kind of random thing. To yeah. Think about. So it was uh, it was getting in a car. We were we were going to go to the Alps for a snowboarding weekend, and so nick a car from Richard's ad agency to put a few thousand miles on it to drive to to Val d'Isère. And as we drove through the night, it was like, well, wouldn't it be good to do something? Well, okay, let's spend this weekend trying to come up with an idea. And so uh, it was all very Innovations Catalogue. I don't know if you remember those things. The inserts used to get in the, in the newspapers, all wacky kind of cat feeders and tie racks and everything. And it was like, come on, let's come up with something that makes people's lives a little bit better and a little bit easier. Um, and, yeah, the fruit smoothie was the, was the third idea in the list. We were all, you know, 26-year-old guys with unhealthy diets. And something we wanted was something that made it easier for us to do ourselves some good. Um, and we thought of the fruit smoothie, which I'd seen out in the US because it was beginning to start there. And and then to our great shock, we couldn't find a reason not to do it. It was, you know, why, why, oh, God, we're going to end up doing fruit smoothies. And, you know, how fortunate that was. Indeed, how fortunate that was. David, for much more about how fruit smoothies have changed the lives of, the, uh, of John and his co-partners then. And indeed, many of our lives as we look back over the last 10, 15 years. Um, time for some more music, though, before we go back to John. And it's the one and only Tony Bennett with The Best Is Yet To Come. Out of the tree of life I just picked me a plum You came along and everything started to hum The inimitable sound of Tony Bennett with The Best Is Yet To Come. And I think The Best Is Yet To Come because John writes my business shaper. He's the co-founder of Innocent Smoothies and he's also the co-founder of Jam Jar Investments. We were talking about the late night drive uh, to the ski board at the, the snowboarding weekend and we got to the point where you said, uh-oh, we are going to have to do this thing called fruits, the fruit smoothie world. A week later, you reconvene. You're in a boardroom, apparently. Um, tell me a little bit about how you divided up what you were going to do, who was going to do what, how did you decide that? Yeah, so a week later, it's our kind of first proper meeting. And to make this all serious, we, we nabbed the, the boardroom at my old office. So we're kind of sat in these leather chairs, kind of spinning around, pretending to be executives, but really having no idea what we're doing. <laughs> and it's like, well, the one thing we thought is, if we're going to do this, and there are three of us, what what is each of us going to do? And so we wrote down all the bits we could think of of the business. And um, and I'd done manufacturing at university, so I knew how to make things. So it's kind of obvious the bit I was going to look after. And Richard come from an ad agency, and so he was going to um, do the marketing. And Adam was keen to do the commercial stuff. And it was like, wow, we all want to do different bits, and nobody wants to do each other's bit. Now, there was some stuff around finance and HR that kind of got kicked around, and no one was quite sure uh, where that was going to land. But kind of the three things that were going to define the business, you know, we each wanted to get our teeth into. And I think that for me, that was the sort of one of the magic moments. 
Absolutely critical in a partnership. When people talk about partnerships, they think about one or two people. Obviously, there's there's three of you, and that's. I mean, it must have made a big difference to have the substance across three c- critical parts, if not the the fourth and the fifth that you just alluded to. I recall many years ago meeting Richard, and he said, "You'd think it would have been really easy to raise the money that we needed to get going." It wasn't so easy. And thinking about life now and funding and things, just tell me a little bit about what you encountered then and how you got over it. Well, I realise how now as an investor putting money into people who were in our position, I realised how naive we were in our approach because, you know, we had nothing really apart from an idea and no track record. And so we were going out trying to raise money off the back of we're going to come up with a great fruit juice and we're going to come up with a great name and it's going to be really successful. Will you give us some money to go on this journey uh, to try and sell it into Tesco's and compete against all the other drinks out there? And quite wisely, everybody said no, you know, that you can't between the three of you, you can't even decide who's going to be chief. So how are you going to get this thing going at all? Um, and it got right to the very end where we had been through all the the pitches to all the different groups that you can do we'd written to and met all the banks we had you know we'd done everything from a to z and the final thing we did was send out an email to everybody we knew saying does anybody know anyone rich it was kind of like a final friday night hurrah of let's just see what happens and we got one response and that one response was a chap uh, who I'd worked with who said, I know this guy called Morris Pinto and I think he would he would actually like you guys. Um, and we we met Morris and uh, fortunately for us, Morris did like us and said, I'd like to back you. And then almost as an afterthought said, by the way, what are you doing? And we went, oh, we're going to do this fruit juice to which he went, oh, Lord. But I've kind of implicitly said I'm going to back you. So I'm going to see it through. So we got we got one positive response and that was all we needed. And do you think that 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 people before business plan ethos has stuck with you? I mean, here we are now, 17, 18 years later since that moment, since Morris decided to put the money in. And as he said, oh, Lord, when he realised it was fruit smoothies and there were issues with refrigeration, all the other things that, that people must have thought. Is that still the way you look at things? So what Morris showed us in that first meeting, we relearn every single day with the investments we're doing with Jamjar. That when we, you know, we've now invested in 30-odd startup businesses, and when we sit down as a team and look at the ones that are um, flying versus the ones that are struggling, it's nothing to do with the market or the idea or competition or anything like that. The, the, the distinguishing factor is the, is the team. And, you know, we have to keep reminding ourselves what Morris did was, um, you know, it's that it's that team of people that's going to be the difference between success and failure, not, you know, more than anything else. Stay with me to find out more um, about John Wright and uh, what he's learnt along the way. The, he's the co-founder of Innocent and also co-founder of Jamjar Investments. Latest travel in a couple of minutes. And before that, some words of wisdom, I hope, from our programme partners at Mishkondare for your business. My name is Andrew Remington and I'm a corporate partner at Mishkondare. Uh, Very often, uh, the key uh, component that makes deals uh, last the test of time is when you start a transaction with trust and credibility on both sides. Very often, people will um, be very reluctant to disclose the key issues that are relevant for them, but I find that actually having a very forthright discussion at the outset of a meeting can help set the ground rules very early on. Let me give you an example. If a transaction has both strengths and weaknesses, and let's face it, what doesn't, which should you deliver first, the strengths or the weaknesses? Surprisingly, the answer to that is that if you have weaknesses to disclose, uh, our body of evidence suggests that actually by uh, empathising with the other person's position and identifying that there are concerns that they may well have as a legitimate third party, 
by addressing those issues first shows not only trustworthiness and credibility uh, in negotiations, but also shows that, that you have empathy towards their position. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. Named Law Firm of the Year at the Legal Business Awards and the Lawyer Awards 2017. You're listening to Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss. Every Saturday, I'm very lucky I get to meet someone who's shaping the world of business, who's doing something extraordinary. And over the last few years, I've met a number of brilliant people. If you'd like to hear any of those interviews, go into iTunes, put in the words Jazz and Shapers, you'll find a lot there. Cityam.com is another destination, and so is British Airways High Life. Today, John Wright is right in front of me and he is the co-founder of Innocent Smoothies as well as the co-founder of Jam Jar Investments. They make investments in businesses but as we were talking about earlier really they talk about and think about the person in front of them and the team. So cast your mind back now and the business is now going. You've got your first investment in, in Innocent. On on the journey in those first few years were there moments when you went and you looked at each other your mates and said this just isn't a runner we need to stop? Well, I think one of the one of the powerful things about there being three of us was inevitably one of us would come back from something or have had some experience that like this isn't going to work you know this is the end of the line there's no way out of this um, but having two other partners chances are at least one of them might be feeling positive and could kind of kind of pull you up and find a way through I mean one of the challenges we had was uh, we were setting out to make a, a drink that was 100% fruit you know no industrial shortcuts our whole idea was why aren't drinks like you make them at home and um, as we set out to do this you realize why everybody did it in a certain way why they put concentrates or shelf life extenders or sugar all of this kind of stuff in um and the only way we could do it was going to cost an absolute fortune because it was high quality fruit handled very carefully and we looked at it and said you know i came back and said looking at the costings this just isn't going to work we can't put a product out there that anyone is going to be able to afford and that will work as a business um and at the same time richard had come back from a meeting with some designers who had created a beautiful looking bottle and so i was sitting there saying people will never pay what you, that you need to pay for this and he came back and said well look if it looks like this maybe they might and you know so there were those moments of uh, despair and then you know and you could break through them in terms of breaking through generally and innovations are an oft used words and it's rarely applied accurately in, in my opinion i'm sure you'll agree on that point how did you as the product guy as it was the manufacturer ensure that that innovation remained the backbone of the business. I mean, overcoming that initial challenge you just talked about, where you where you managed to equate, you know, square up price with with quality. Along the way, how did you make sure that you still had that lunacy of the vision way back when? Well, I think we were just trying to keep the company open and get ideas in from everybody. So you know, nobody had the had the rights to the new ideas or um, or, or, or kind of new thoughts. So. Um, uh, getting the team involved, being really porous to everything that our consumers were saying. You know, Innocent was all kind of about transparency and being no different on the inside of the business to what we projected out and uh, getting people to come into Fruit Towers and just be connected to everything that's going on. And, you know, a kind of a mentality in the business that everything that kind of passed through your hands as it left you, it had to be in a better state. You know, you've got to move it on, make it better, keep changing it. You know, if you're sending out the same email every day or dealing with the same spreadsheet or producing the same thing, that's no good. Every time it's got to be that little bit better. You know, you can innovate everywhere. Everyone thinks innovation is about the product and um, and the thing you're making, but it can be about the way the business operates, the way you run the meeting, the way you talk to people. Every single thing, you can, you know, kind of make that bit better. 
Stay with me for more from my business shape today, John Wright, co-founder of um, Innocent and Jam Jar Investments. Time for some music right now, though. It's Bill Withers with Ain't No Sunshine. Ain't no sunshine when she's gone It's not warm when she's away Ain't no sunshine when she's gone And she's always gone too long Anytime she goes away That was Bill Withers with Ain't No Sunshine. I'm talking to John Wright, and just in case you hadn't heard earlier, he's the co-founder of Innocent Smoothies. I said a few times today, John. Yeah, you know now. I do now. If you didn't know before, you do definitely know now. And he's also co-founder of Jam Jar Investments. The other thing, we were talking about innovation just before, the other thing that's um, juxtaposed with innovation is discipline. It's all very well having a, a farm full of wonderful creatures, fertile with ideas. How did the manufacturing engineer in you ensure that there was discipline, that there was process? Because people often don't think there's a, a tight correlation. They go, well, if it's free and easy, it's one thing. If it's disciplined, it's not free and easy. I mean, tell me a little bit about how you manage that, because that, you must have industrialised the innovation. Well, this, I guess this was one of the, the great kind of tensions we had between the three of us. My, my role was, unfortunately, to be a bit of a kind of captain no and let's keep it simple and wouldn't it be wonderful to be running, say, Red Bull where you have one product in one can that's the same everywhere over as opposed to us where we've got lots of different recipes and lots of different packaging and, you know, and kind of huge complexity. Um, and so it was that, that kind of healthy tension between kind of the new ideas and the innovation but also being ruthless about stopping the stuff that wasn't working and saying, well, if we're going to get complicated that way, we've got to be brilliant at handling that complication and make sure we're simple somewhere else. So, um, yeah, continuously pushing. Mm. And, and, the, and the three of you, obviously, at some point in the mid-2000s must have thought, hold on a minute, we've now got through the, the tough bit. We've got our funding. We've got a model. We're managing to combine innovation with discipline. Sales start going up. You're now moving towards the end of the 2009, 2010. At what point did any of you start thinking about potentially realising some value, potentially where the money becomes a thing? Because the money, I imagine when you first started as 26-year-olds, was like, ah, well, this is crazy anyway, it's never going to work. You start to realise it's going to work. What does that make you feel, if anything? We we had an ambition when we set the business up of this could get to a few million pounds kind of turnover. And then by the time we got to 2007, it was over 100 million pounds. So, you know, vastly in excess of anything we'd, we'd, we'd ever dreamt of. Um, and so I guess there were questions at that point about, well, you know, I, um, I'm still living in the same, renting the same small flat. How do I get myself something a little bit better? Um, and so we took some money out of the business that year. Um, and in fact, this was, you know, when you make decisions sometimes they can be at the wrong time and we took some money out of the business that year we decided to expand internationally at the same time and of course you know 2008 the year we went into was the year that everything changed for everybody in terms of the economic climate and where people were spending their money um, and actually at the same time Tropicana who was the other big juice company or was the big juice company in the UK decided to launch into smoothies spent more in the three months of their launch than we'd spent in the 10 years of ours on marketing got into more stores in those three months and we'd managed to get to in the uh, sort of 10 years we'd spent building it up um, just at the time the economy crashed we were investing overseas and had taken money out of the business but you could deal with one of these but when they all happen at the same time you know you're in a bit of a pickle lucky we're still here and obviously it was all right we'll, we'll find out much more about how you made sure it was all right and that'll be my final chat with john today plus we'll be playing a chat from china moses that's after the latest traffic and travel here on jazz fm jazz shapers on jazz fm
in partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. This is not for boys. Watch out, I'm losing faith. I think I need to slow my pace. I gotta watch out with what I'm doing. Full speed towards my road and not complaining. It's just I'm saying... That was China Moses with Watch Out. John Wright is my business shaper just for a few more minutes. We've been talking about Innocent and a little bit about Jam Jar Investments. Just really brief, I want to jump to the end of the, f- the stage of the Innocent story that most people know. You sold a majority stake in your business in 2013, I think, to Coca-Cola. Um, how did it feel? Because it, it, it strikes me talking to you that, that money is a byproduct of whatever you were doing and that really it genuinely wasn't um, the point. But if it wasn't the point at some point in 2013, you, you would have had quite a lot of money to look at and say, well, that was the result of something we did. How did that make you feel, if anything? Because I spoke, I've asked that question before to people and, and had really a diverse range of answers. Well, I guess by 2013, we'd been running the business for 15 years, and it was clear that the future of the business was taking it, taking it globally, taking Innocent to other countries and rolling it out. And part of it was, as the three of us looked at each other and thought, well, this is doing this in lots of other countries and that's interesting but it's it's not our thing we were just at the time of having young families and getting more anchored to home and did we want to become those kind of globe trotters um and the thought was well no this is a time for a change and a different pace of life because it had been pretty intense for those 15 years and was it i mean i imagine you were tired in a a way and that as you said going again and almost replicating the model having to fiddle a bit but you kind of knew what it would look like having the money there in front of you liberating strange, alien? and I mean, were you connected at all to the number? That all yeah, I, I mean, I guess throughout my life, I've never, you know, when I was working, I never really connected my pay packet to the job I did. I kind of did the best of my job and made sure I, as I was in a job I was going to enjoy doing. And then the money came alongside that and was good enough to, and, you know, mean I could continue to focus on doing that. So there wasn't that kind of tight connection. Mm. But I'm, I mean, Christ, I'm so fortunate now to be in a comfortable position and then to be able to put some of that money to work helping other people like Morris did with us. And let me ask you about that because we're now in the jam jar world which is an investment business as you said and you've backed a lot of interesting businesses. Um, Do you always put yourself or does it happen anyway you put yourself in the shoes of that young person you're talking to and um, if so what benefit is that to the young person in front of you well i think you have to you have to try and avoid doing that because it's the entrepreneur's business and they're going to do with it what they're going to do you've got to back them to run it the way they want in the direction they're going if you have put yourself in their shoes and have different thoughts for it that isn't that isn't going to happen but I guess what we can do as investors is we're guys who have been on the whole journey. So, yes, we're investors, but we know what it feels like when you're confronted with those decisions and those um, you know, big turning points, um, how it feels and, uh, and what the outcomes can be. Mm. You strike me as a humble guy, John. And how have you continued to retain that humility? Because many people in your position would say, well, I did this, I made that, I'm now the guy never doubt myself it strikes me that actually you would say well that might be right but i'm not sure well, how have you retained that sense of oh you because you get so many things wrong all the time and it's the you know it's the, it's all those mistakes that you reflect on and you you keep relearning the same lessons and especially you know early stage businesses are so tough and the success rate is so small that the majority of businesses that you back 
that you are super excited about, that you think are going to take over the world, won't. And so you are reminded day in, day out, just how wrong you are about everything. Listen, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, to talk to you today. I appreciate your time. Just before I let you go, what's your song choice and why have you chosen it? So it's the uh, theme from Starsky and Hutch by uh, the James Taylor Quartet. And the reason I chose this was it was the first uh, band I ever saw, the first gig I ever went to at the Junction in Cambridge, just after the three of us had kind of got together in that first term at university. And you've been friends ever since. We have. <laughs> Thank you so much. Here it is just for you. The James Taylor Quartet with the theme from Starsky and Hutch. The song choice of my business shaper today, John Wright. Importance of team was absolutely critical in the creation of the innocent business. The focus on innovation juxtaposed with discipline and the way they navigated that as they built their business. And the focus on people and people first approach as John looks to invest in new businesses as they look to grow in the same way that Innocent did for him and his team. Really brilliant stuff. Do join me again, same time, same place. That's 9 a.m. next Saturday here on Jazz FM. Meantime, stay with us. Coming up next, it's Nigel Williams. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. Named Law Firm of the Year at the Legal Business Awards and the Lawyer Awards 2017.